Hello, welcome to the PlayCube Gamecast. I'm your host, Chase. And I'm Mushy. We are talking about a remake of an old 1988 title. Indeed, and it is for everyone's favorite, never heard of console, the family computer. Remade for the Switch. Yeah, the family computer was the Japanese equivalent to the NES. So you have heard of it, you just haven't heard of this specific version. Actually, no one outside of America really heard of this game until just this year. This is true. So, like Chase mentioned, this game originally debuted in 1988. Um, However, it was a Japanese-only release. They decided to remake it once or twice, and then finally remade it for the U.S. and put it on Switch for us. I mean, this thing has been re-released for the Game Boy, the Wii U Virtual Console, the Wii Virtual Console. Hell, even the Nintendo 3DS got one. But they were all Japanese. Nothing was even localized until just recently. But you know, I'm so glad they did. I really enjoyed this game, and we'll get into that in a bit. But it makes me wonder, how many other masterpieces because that is how i feel about this game i i would call it a masterpiece how many other masterpieces are we just unaware of because they didn't get american releases who knows the family computer the famicon had a very massive library that only a handful ever came across over here well now i'm even more sad think of all those games that i can never play because i don't speak japanese the best thing to do is uh, make a new little profile on your Nintendo Switch, change the region to Japan, and just download all the Famicom online games. Did you just give me a life hack? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. my gosh. You just gave me the best life hack that I'm going to have to try tonight. We can report back later on how it goes. Let's be real, the only reason we're talking about this game is because you recently finished streaming this game. I did! So, for the past two and a half, three-ish months, I have been streaming both both games. So there's two games. There's the Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, and then Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Heir. Um, originally back in 1988, the missing heir was released first and then the girl who stands behind was released after that as a prequel. Um, so I didn't know this, but when I got the game, when they were, or games, when they released them and were promoting them earlier this year, I kind of Googled which game should I play first? And it came up with the girl who stands behind. So Story-wise, if you want it to go in order, you'd play that one first. And then the other one, if you want to play in the order of release, you would play Missing Air and then The Girl Who Stands Behind. But I did it based on the story, and I'm glad I did. I really enjoyed it. But yes, like Chase mentioned, I have been streaming it for the past two and a half to three months. We did um, one stream a week for about two hours a week. I think one stream was like three hours and that was the super long one. Um, but averaging one and a half to two ish hours every week. So it did take quite a bit of time. 
Um, Y'all have probably gathered by now that Chase plays games a whole lot faster than I do, and I play them very, very slowly. You can hear him chuckling. He knows it's true. But this game actually isn't all that long. Neither one of them are. Chase, do you have official runtime for them? I have gathered runtimes of roughly seven and eight and a half hours for The Missing Heir, and six and seven hours for The Girl Who Stands Behind. Okay, and like that sounds about right to me. Um, again, so I did play this on stream, so my hours aren't completely indicative of how long it does take to play because you know when you're streaming you're doing a lot more you're stopping you're chatting than just actually playing the game um one thing i do want to mention about these two games are they're broken up into chapters each game has 11 chapters for a total of 22 between both stories Um, And that is what I really used to determine how long I was going to play. I wasn't like, okay, we're doing an hour and a half. We went however long it took to finish a chapter, or in most cases, two chapters. And it's very easy to get stuck. Um, At least for me, it was. It might not be for others. Um, I got stuck in several points in the game. And that's also what added to some of the time, like, being stuck in the same spot for 15 minutes trying to figure out what button or menu selection do I need to select to be able to go on to the next part of this story. Yeah, because this isn't really much of a game. It's more of a, like an adventure novel. Sorry, like an adventure game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So some people have compared it um, to visual novels. Um, If you've ever seen an anime in that style, Chase, what was the game that you said it was similar to Ace something? Yeah, the Ace Attorney series. And I've only seen still, and if you're familiar with that one, it's going to kind of give you an idea of how this game runs as well. I have seen the animation for this remake. I do like it that it reminds me much of like an Archer style animation. Everyone's kind of 3D, but they're still just barely moving and barely talking. That's a fair assumption of it. Because throughout the majority of it, you. The movement is very subtle. So, for example, if your character is standing out in a a grassy field, everything is going to be still, but you might see the grass waving and the character's hair move like the wind, but everything else is going to be completely still. So it's very subtle and minimalist animation. So if that doesn't attract you to the game, I don't know what will. Um, I say that. However, um, a lot of my chatters in my stream actually were commenting on how much they enjoyed the animation style and how different it was. Um, If you like action-packed games that start at the very beginning and don't stop until the very end, they're always up, they're jam-packed with action. This probably isn't the game for you. It does have some slower points um, with some high-intensity-ish action-ish scenes. But for the most part, it is a pretty steady-paced game. Okay. Now, in all these games, you're just investigating murders, right? Essentially, yes. So in one of them... Um, actually, you know, so it star- both of them start off with one murder... Um, Very early into the game, like almost immediately, both games have additional murders pop up. I won't say how many, 
but throughout the gameplay, there are a few that spring up as a result of the original murder. From what That's I actually- gathered, it just looks like a whole family just got wiped out. Yes. So let's talk um, first about the K- or the missing heir, sorry, um, since that was the first release. Um, this game, the basic storyline is you, you get to name your character whatever you want. So obviously mine was named Mushy. Um, we start off main character or custom character, whatever you would like to refer to them as. Um, and we are called to investigate a suspicious death. At this point in the game, it's just assumed that Mistress Kiku um, of the Ayashiro family died naturally in her sleep. Um, that's what the doctor said. That was the initial autopsy. Um, but her longtime butler, Zenzu, he did not think that this was the case. He thought something fishy was going on. So he called us main character in from Utsugi Detective Agency and asked us to investigate. So it starts off pretty simple, pretty basic, you know, generic investigation. Like, let me talk to the townspeople. Let me talk to the butler, the maid, the other family members. And then it gets interesting really fast because people start dying left and right. Oh, God. I know. I know. I literally said, I'm not going to tell you how many people die or who or, but these games, I I know I also said that they were slow paced, but in some aspects they are kind of fast. Um, You do have to pay attention to the timeline a little bit. So for me, when I was streaming, I'd have to say, okay, it was yesterday in the game because we were playing the game a week apart. So obviously it wasn't yesterday in real life, um, but yesterday in the game. And so if I remember correctly, I think all of this happened within like a week for the first game, um, The Missing Heir. So I'm going to tell you the legend of the Ayashiro family. Not the full thing, just to paraphrase, of (laughs) course. But essentially, the head of the Ayashiro family, which in this case was Kiku. So the head of the family, if they die in vain, so they die with unfinished business, they're murdered, if they die before their natural time is up, they will come back from the grave on the next full moon and haunt anyone who has done them wrong. So that is the general, like there's a whole lot more like it stems back to the the feudal samurai era and they have a little bit more lore going on into it. So if you're interested, check it out. I'm sure you can find a video if you don't really want to commit to the game yet. But that's essentially what the legend is. And everyone in Miojin Village believes it. Okay. Um, the family's kind of just like, oh, it's dumb, blah, blah, blah. But everyone who's not part of the family believes it. Um, so throughout the game, we have people claiming that they saw her walking. Um, but one thing I do want to note is that conveniently, the second murder or death happens on the night of the full moon. So it plays into the legend and it has everyone going nuts all over. Um, 
like the townspeople are scared. They're shaking, like visibly shaking on screen. Um, there were a couple of instances where the townspeople literally just start running in fear. Like these people really and truly believe the legend. Oh man, if all that happened on the full moon, I'd believe the legend too. <laughs> right? Um, and one thing that I didn't catch, I don't know if the game didn't talk about it or I just missed it. It didn't necessarily say like she's going to, the the head of the family is going to roam from full moon to new moon or just that one night or what. And so I missed that. It might may not have been in the game. It didn't give a duration of how long the hauntings were supposed to last. Um, and that may have been purposeful to like really showcase the fear of the villagers because they don't know how long it's going to last. It's been a week and they're still seeing her. And I think it works not knowing, but like the villagers, man, like I will never forget the old lady just shaking so hard. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in these games because um, you kind of just like, oh, you just kind of click through. There are other things um, like other features. So the majority of the game both of these games are played by clicking on different menu items. So for example, it pulls up the menu for you. You just met a new person. Your options are probably talk, show, and look. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, um, and they vary between both games. But when you click talk, it'll pull up an additional menu with different topics you can talk about. Um, when you click show if you have anything to show them like a business card a photo a scrap of paper whatever you might have to actually show you can show the person you're trying to interact with and then look will either let you look around the scene in general or it puts a cursor on your screen and you can drag it around and click on things that interest you sometimes yeah. it gives you something interesting sometimes it's just the generic Oh, that's a wall. Yeah, that sounds like something that's got heavily copied over in the Ace Attorney series. Did you ever okay. find that frustrating or repetitive at times? <laughs> what a question! Yes. So when I mentioned that I got stuck, this is what I was talking about. So for me, it was really easy to fall into, I don't know what to do. And the game does not offer many if any hints so like i would be stuck for 15 minutes dragging the cursor around um just trying to figure out what i'm supposed to click on what tiny little detail um so like i said the game doesn't give a whole lot of hints um so for example in the second game uh the girl who stands behind when we find the initial body we're searching all over her body like it wants us to click her hair and her face and um, her neck and all these different parts of her. Um, she's in her school uniform. So like if you click her uniform skirt, it makes a comment about that. But it wants us to click on everything. And so if we click like exit out of that um, searching, like look the little magnifying glass and we go back to the menu, the coroner or the forensics team member who's there with us will make a comment like, oh, you're giving up already? And that's your only hint that you're not done there. So if you don't know that or haven't figured that out yet, you're just going to be like, okay, whatever, and go along your way. But 
the those are the kind of hints that the game gives. They're very subtle, very easy to miss. Um, there were a few times that I went back and forth between three different locations five or six times before I found the right one and found the right menu item. So I got frustrated kind of easy with this game um, when it was taking me 15 minutes to move part or move past that to a different part of the story. Oh, God. Surely with all this information, you'd have something to help keep track of everything, right? So you do have a notepad. I didn't find the notepad very helpful. I Let me back up. I didn't find it helpful to get unstuck. I found it helpful for giving recaps to my viewers. Because okay. I found out that when you save and exit the game, and then you come back to it, it'll ask you, review the plot thus far question mark and you can click yes or no if you click no it leaves you right where you were at if you click yes in my one experience doing it it started the game all over again right from the very start uh-huh so it might vary i, I do want to say this i only did it one time so you might have a different experience if you do it at a different point in the game um i that first time I played it on stream, it was like two, one and a half, two hours for one chapter. And that's because I had no idea what I was doing, didn't really understand the game dynamics, things like that. Um, so that was that. And then the next week when I started streaming, it said, do you want to recap? And I thought, oh, that'll be fine, because I thought it was going to show me like a quick video montage or just something that recaps it without having to go all the way through it. So I clicked yes. And again, this was from the beginning of chapter two and it made me replay all of chapter one. Oh, damn. So I got through chapter one a whole lot faster because I had literally just played it a week ago and knew what I was supposed to do at that point. But because of that, I never clicked it again because in chapter eight, I'm not going to sit there and replay one all the way through seven to get to eight. Yeah, I wouldn't need to do that either. Damn. So I never clicked um, review the plot thus far. I only used the notepad to give recaps of the story. Okay. So gameplay aside, how do you feel about the visuals, like the artwork? I absolutely loved it it was beautiful animation to me um and my viewers as well they we both really enjoyed it it's very subtle like to me it's very subtle animation it's not overt it's not in your face it's kind of you just kind of look like you're looking off into the distance and then you see something move on the horizon that's kind of what i think of when i think of the gameplay or the visual gameplay in this game Okay. If that makes sense. That might just be a whole lot of words. (laughs) (laughs) And now for the actual story itself. Did you enjoy the story? Yes. For both games. I absolutely loved it. Um, We talked about the other one. So let me do a quick overview of The Girl Who Stands Behind. A high school student is murdered and people link it to a 10 to 15 year old murder in the high school. So it's a historic murder at that point. And they keep saying like, oh, I see her ghost and well, she saw the ghost right before she died and now I'm seeing her ghost. And so the, or not 
The Missing Air, of course, is the first release, um, so I'm referring to it as Game 1. The Girl Who Stands Behind is the second game, but it's a prequel, so we're still going to refer to it as Game 2, just because it technically came second. Um, In that one, the second game, they um, have a little bit more of a paranormal essence, if you will. Um, I know the other one we talked about how the ghost rose from the grave, but in this one, there's at least one depiction of a possible possession. So it was a little bit more paranormal than the other. But anyway, um, so that's essentially what it was, is that a girl was found murdered. They're trying to figure out um, who murdered her. It somehow gets linked to this old murder and another murder that happened around the same time. Um, there's a little bit of paranormal going on and a whole lot of investigation. We That's when we get our partner, Ayumi. So we do have a friend that's helping us investigate. She kind of does more of the boring stuff, in my opinion. Because um, at the end of the chapters, every single chapter, you kind of convene with her at the end. And so she's like, here's what I found out. And then we tell her what we found out, which obviously we know what we found out because we just played it. But I did like that feature as well. So to answer your question, yes, I enjoyed both storylines. Um, I really did like the little bit of paranormal aspect. But the other one, The Missing Air, uh, the ending was so satisfying. And so if you do play them, and so like even for me, when I watch movies, if I know something's a prequel, I usually watch that one first, even though it wasn't released first. Um, and like, yeah, I'm capable of remembering like, oh yeah, that happened. This So this is happening before all of that. But like, I like to really just enjoy it and be immersed. So I will watch prequel, then one, then two, etc. And that's what I chose to do with this game. And I am so, so glad that I played it that way because of how smoothly the storyline flowed and how the missing air concluded. Okay. So these both of these games are on the Nintendo Switch online for, sorry, the digital edition version for about $35 each or $60 altogether. So if you had to recommend one of them, which one would you recommend? Oh, gosh. Just one? To me, they shouldn't even be one game. They should be two. Or, sorry, they shouldn't even be two games. They should be one game. Um, that's how much I liked them. Like, they really should just be one very long game. But if you had to pick, it could be either of them. Honestly, the storyline, <laughs> the storylines go together. But, but... They each have like a standalone conclusion that it's it's satisfying by itself. So like if you play the girl who stands behind, we don't find out what we set out to find out. But the ending is kind of just, like it's a happy ending. We're okay with it. And we resolve to keep looking for our information that we want. In The Missing Air, it starts off in a similar way like oh, actually in the missing air if you didn't play the other game you have no idea what your current quest is so i'm just going to say it it's not too much of a spoiler in the missing air you don't know that you're looking for your parents and so like i don't think at any point in that game do you find out anything about your parents like or find out about that you're looking for your parents so in 
the girl who stands behind, that's like the first thing that happens. They set the tone immediately is that everything we're doing is working towards finding out information on our parents. So if you want the full story and you can only start with one because they are kind of expensive, um, obviously not $60 per game expensive, but still a pretty penny if you're trying to buy two at once, I would start off with the girl who stands behind and then wait and then buy the missing heir. All right. So this is just digital only, but yes. Would you get the physical collector's edition? Honestly, at this point, no, because like I already have a copy of the game. Why do I need another one? And it's not just this game. It's any game. I'm, that, that's how I feel about it. But if I didn't have it and it, came down to physical collectors or digital, I would have bought the collector's edition. However, I did research it at the time and I could not, could not find any kind of physical copy. It looks like the only physical copies are only in Japan and just to get them uh, shipped over here would cost quite a bit. (sighs) Of course, Japan always has the best things. Yeah. Just for the collector's edition for this game, you're probably looking to spend about... $140, roughly. And is that just for two games? Like, two physical copies of this game? Or games? One and one? Or do you get anything special with this? Or what? I mean, it is a collector's edition. It comes with a nice little art book. Comes with two soundtrack CDs for both games. And two little leaflets of paper. Alongside the physical for both games. So you're getting a nice amount of stuff. Yeah. If you're a really big fan of the game. I could justify doing 140 for that. But yeah, it of course. It makes sense to keep it Japan only because this was a Japanese game for like 30 years. Mm hmm. That is true. So it's like the Americans don't need it. They just barely got the game the first time just now. They don't need the nice collector's edition. Thanks, Japan. Japan always has the best collectibles, doesn't it? They really do. I just saw that moviegoers in Korea got a really cool collectible for... uh, I know the name of the movie, but I'm probably going to say it wrong, so I do apologize. Uh, Shang-Chi. Or is it Shang-Chi? I don't know. Um, I heard it one way on the radio, and I'm like, I thought it was pronounced like this. But they got some really cool collectibles that are only available in South Korea. Okay. So it's just like... Everyone gets these cool collectibles except for us. It's like, you want a collectible? You save your receipt. You save your movie ticket. That's all you get. I miss us getting collectibles too, like the original Pokemon movie. What kind of collectible did you get with that? The Ancient Mew Pokemon card. Okay, I have heard of this. I have seen it. I never owned one. I never owned the Pokemon movie, but I did see it in theaters and that was good enough for me. You should have gotten the card, too, because it came with anyone who went to go see the movie in theaters. Honestly, my parents are the type of people that would have walked right past it and said, no, we don't need it. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. So they either took it and never gave it to us, <laughs> like like took it and threw it away, or just straight up declined it in general. Somewhere there's a paper shredder if your Pokemon card in it. <sighs> Probably. But yeah, I just think that's pretty much it for the Famicom Detective Club. Yeah, just about. You enjoyed it? You streamed it? I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I would probably play it again even though I know how it ends. Alright. Just because there's just so much detail that goes into the game that it's easy to forget. 
And another thing that I really liked about this game, and uh, listeners, y'all might like it too, depending on your personal preferences, it's really easy to jump to conclusions. So if you're the type of person who you're sitting there watching a movie and you're like, hmm, that person's about to die. They're about to get hit by a car. If you sit there and you make little predictions like that whenever you're watching movies, listening to audiobooks, things like that, and you enjoy doing that, you will likely enjoy these games. Because that's what I was doing the entirety of this game. I'm like, hmm, well, I don't know, but I think this person's the killer. I have no reason to believe this. They haven't done anything yet but they're the killer. And then getting to the end of the game and it's like, oh my gosh, they were the killer. It was it was just so much fun for me. So going back to play this game for a second time, knowing all the knowledge you know now at the end game, would you be able to piece out all like the little clues hidden around? For the most part, yes. I think it's still fresh enough in my mind that yes, I would be able to do that and pretty quickly at that. But if I were to wait a few months and then play it, I think it would be like playing it kind of for the first time again in some aspects. Okay. Just because like it took me forever to figure out the first time like where I needed to click and what I needed to do and so I mean like some of those details I think would fade with time, but overall like I'm not going to forget the story. I might forget a character in the story, but not the whole thing. Okay. Because from my understanding, this game is very linear. Um, If anyone is familiar with the choose-your-own-ending styles um, of books, so for me, that looks like the Goosebump books, the Reader Beware, Choose Your Scare books, where you get to the bottom of the page and it says, if you go right, turn to page 360. That's just a lie. Those pa- or those books don't go up that high. Or it says, if you go left, turn to page five. So those type of books, this game is page really five linear. and you die instantly. Yes! Yes! That always, every time I did that, I was like, well, I guess I'm going right. And I would go back and restart reading again and then pick another way. But yes. So this game isn't really like that. Um, you do have a little tiny bit of say so in the order of how you do things like a tiny bit like i told you um i went to three different places five or six times just rotating through those three trying to figure out what i was trying to do so you do have a little bit of leeway but for the most part the game is very linear and structured um and even though i was going to those three places over and over and over again nothing happened how it should have until i triggered whatever I was supposed to trigger in the correct order. So it's like I needed to go back to the cemetery and talk to the monk before I could go and talk to the villagers. If I was talking to the villagers before him, the villagers were just telling me the same old generic, I saw Miss Kiku walking at midnight. I saw her walking and like literally every villager saw her walking at eight o'clock. So they didn't see the village or they didn't see Miss Kiku because she was dead. And there's not a paranormal aspect in this game. They saw somebody else walking at eight o'clock at night. Um, but it kind of made you wonder, are they mass hallucinating or did they actually see something? Um, Cause all of their accounts were the same, but back to the point, there's not a lot of room for error just because of the way it's structured. 
obviously you can do the same wrong thing 20 times in a row and the game's just not going to progress until you get to the right <laughs> thing. And that, that was the frustrating point for me is because there's no hints, really. It doesn't tell you when you're walking between the three locations um, that you need to go back to this one because there's something left to do there. You've got to kind of figure it out. And that was the most frustrating thing. Usually for me, I needed to show someone something or I needed to use the look feature and click on the person that I was talking to. Those two were the biggest things that kept holding me back. But like literally, it would let me get on the train, go back to the detective agency, go all the way to a village that's like, they made it seem like it was 30, 40 minutes away, go back to the school, go back to the village, go back to the detective agency, only to go back to the village again, and then go show someone something, and then it triggers, and I get to the next place in the correct order. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it's a lot of back and forth um, in some aspects, and a lot, a lot of trial and error. Unless you're just like super smart and you're like, yeah, and like a real natural at progression. For me, it was a lot of trial and error. And it was just a matter of figuring out, okay, this, okay, this, okay, next, this. So I ended up devising a system and it's like, okay, guys, we're just starting at the top of the list. Sometimes that list is only three questions. Sometimes it's 16. And so I just start at the top and I just click through everything. And one thing about this game is that... Another version of hint. So again, not really a hint, but kind of if they repeat their answer in any capacity, you know that you're done with that menu option for the time being. Oh, God. Yeah. So if you have 16 questions and you ask the first one and they tell you their answer and then you click it again and they say something extremely similar, but not word for word the same, you know you're done with that and you can skip it. Another thing about that on the flip side is that instead of them telling you all three things that they need to tell you the first time you click the menu option, you have to click it continuously until they finish saying what they're going to say from that menu option. So if you tell them, what were you doing last night? Like you're asking for their alibi and you click it and they say, that's none of your business. Chances are you have to click it again for them to continue talking. They might not necessarily tell you the alibi, but they're not done with that. And so when you click another menu item, it's not going to progress because you haven't finished that part of the conversation. All right. So what this sounds like to me is like it takes a special kind of patience to play this game. A little bit. Yeah. I can just see how repetitive this can get pretty fast. It, It does. And that's when I would get frustrated is when I was there for 10 15 minutes on the same thing and not able to figure it out so you enjoy the story the gameplay leaves a lot to the desire to uh improve would you hope for a sequel to both of these games absolutely even if it was the exact same style of awfulness <laughs> of when it comes to the gameplay and the guesswork even if it was exactly the same just a continuation like 20 years later what he's doing now type of thing like i would still enjoy another installment of this story other than that i have nothing else for this game no i think we've said just about everything without going deep into spoilers this is a very spoiler free podcast i was trying very hard i mean all i could say is uh don't smoke (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so again this game was 
released in 88. So I do want to say, I don't believe we talked about this. When it was released for the Famicom originally, each game was released as two discs. So it was released between 88 and 89, the whole story. Um, However, in the 80s, what were people doing? Smoking. So there is a lot of smoking usage. um, Like the adults are smoking, the older teens are smoking in some cases. There's just a lot of smoking going on. There's a lot of things that are kind of different that you're just kind of like, what the heck are they doing? And then you got to stop and remember, oh, this is a different time. And I feel so bad saying that. Because it's like the 80s weren't that far away. So saying like this was a different time, like normally when you say that, it's like the 1600s, but no, it's the 80s. (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff going on that you're just kind of like, what? Why is this kid in a bar? What's going on? Uh Things like that. Like, why is he walking around the red light district? What is going on? Where are your parents? We don't know. We're trying to find them. One other thing about this game that I want to mention is I really enjoyed seeing some of the Animal Crossing furniture items. Now, I know that sounds... Okay, I was waiting for it. Okay, so not specific series or set furniture items, but there's like a... It's not a circuit breaker. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Like, it's not called a circuit breaker, but it kind of functions as one. They had one in the game. And I was like, oh my god, that's the thing from Animal Crossing! Um, And I just never knew what its function was in Animal Crossing until I saw it in Famicom Detective Club. Wow, that's such a minute detail. I didn't even think... It is! It is! So, again, this goes back to my attention to detail because of the art style and just, like, appreciating the animation in this game. So I was... And it also, I mentioned that you have to, in some cases, drag your cursor around and click on a lot of things. So that's kind of where that came from, just appreciating the art and how everything looks. Also having to click on literally everything. So even when you're not having to click on everything, you're just looking at everything. And so I saw that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the thing from Animal Crossing. And so like, it, it was just mind blowing to me is like, I finally know what it was what its intended purpose was from another Japanese video game. Other than that, this series was written by Yoshio Sakimoto, who's best known for the Metroid games. Metroid. Dun-dun-dun. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode of Metroid. On this podcast and another podcast. Check us out as we guest star on another podcast. If you liked our discussion on this episode, you could rate and review us on iTunes. Hit that purple icon. You really don't have to say anything. Just say whatever you want. Just give us five stars. It's not really for our egos, you know. It's really just to help us out, try to get us more well-known to other people out there. It does. It helps with suggestions. Um, So if more people listen, more people rate, it helps just promote and get our podcast out there. Again, It's not for our egos, but I won't be upset if you rate us five stars. Will you, Chase? No. (laughs) But if you want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you could find us at Playcube Gamecast on Instagram and Facebook. Yes, you can. And we're pretty active on both, although a little more active on Instagram. 
And if you really want to find some awesome streaming during the week, you can look up... Me? Yes. <laughs> you can look up me. So you can find my links through our Instagram page. Chase frequently reposts and does shoutouts of my streaming page. But if you're a URL person, twitch.tv forward slash mushysaurus. M-O-O-S-H-I-S-A-U-R-U-S. And if you're interested in checking out the or a little bit of gameplay with horrible commentary of The Missing Air, I do have the entire set of VODs that I did still on my channel. Unfortunately, um, the girl who stands behind has timed out, so all of those episodes are gone. Um, but the second game in this storyline, first game in the series, is available if you would like to watch it. Are you currently doing any games now? Right now, I am on vacation for this week. I'm getting ready to go to San Antonio, so I'm not streaming. Um, technically, I'm still playing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, I haven't finished it, and I did want to finish it before my class starts this fall on September 22nd. Um, so I do have a little bit of time to finish that up. I am still looking for suggestions for my Mystery Monday series. I don't know how I feel about Resident Evil Chase. I just don't know how uh, I feel about it being a mystery game. I mean, you're technically out there to solve a mystery. It's a murder mystery, too. Okay. <laughs> I will accept that for that one, because I know nothing about the first Resident Evil. Um, the only one I really know anything about is the newest one. What is that? Seven Village. Um, that's the only one that I know a little bit about. And so just basing that kind of gameplay, it's not the same thing as what I'm looking for. Obviously, I'm not looking for something strictly identical to Famicom Detective Club. But I like the slower paced. I don't want to fight zombies. I don't want to fight vampires. I mean, you could play Ace Attorney. I might have to look into Ace Attorney. They just had a re-release on the Switch. Did they? Yeah. Interesting. I will have to look. Unlike you, I do not visit the eShop often. Yeah, I know you look around, see what's on sale, and what's yes, you're out. always finding really good titles on sale, um, or I upcoming find a lot ones. of trash on sale. <laughs> Okay, to be fair, you mostly find trash, but you do find a few good titles here and there on the eShop. <laughs> hey, I don't need to remind you that I came across a game called Hentai vs. Evil. Oh my god. Chase also found octogenarian. What was it the octogenarians? Like, they're 80-year-olds in a nursing home, and they're dating. It's a dating simulator for old people. Yes. Or, or based on old people. You're going around a retirement home trying to hook up with somebody's grandma or grandpa. Oh my gosh. So, if you ever need a few laughs, check out the Nintendo eShop. And uh, don't put your expectations that high up. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> so, I bought Hantai vs. Evil. Oh, of course you did. How much was it? It was about $7. Okay. So usually, listeners, Chase will fall victim to these crazy games and these crazy game titles if the game is under 10 bucks. usually. 
the cheaper it is, the more likely he is to get it. Yeah, my so, uh, Switch library right now looks like a mad collection of various games. I do not envy your Switch library. I have a hard enough time finding my games, and I don't have a lot, so I couldn't imagine trying to navigate yours. I, I'm, I'm just going to pause here because... We should really just finish this episode. Yeah, let's let's do our ending. So until next time, I'm your host, Mushy. I'm your co-host, Chase. And we are the Playcube Gamecast. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Bye! Bye!